Hi, and welcome to the Horizon Church podcast. Horizon Church is a Christ-centered, word-based and spirit-led church. We are so happy to bring this week's message to you. And on behalf of our pastors, Brad and Ali Bonhomme and the Horizon Church team, we pray it's a blessing to you. Heavenly Father, I thank you right now. I thank you right now for this wonderful church, for these beautiful people. And I thank you that your word says, wherever two or more are gathered together in your name, that you are here in the midst. I thank you, Lord Jesus, for your presence. I thank you, Lord, for your word. I thank you for an open heaven. I thank you for open hearts. Father, I pray today that your people wouldn't hear the voice of a woman, but they would hear from heaven. Lord, that we would have our ears open to hear what the Spirit is saying. So Holy Spirit, I pray, have your way and have your say. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Where's my time? Now, we've got to count up, count down. Yes. I was in a church recently and I didn't realise they didn't have a count down, they had a count up. And when I eventually got to look at the clock, I got very confused. I went into a mad panic. We're going to read today from 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 12. It says, for this reason, and this was the Apostle Peter, incidentally, writing to various churches. For this reason, I will not be negligent to remind you always of these things, though you know and are established in the present truth. I want you all to say present truth. In the NIV version of that verse, It says, so I will always remind you of these things, even though you know them and are firmly established in the truth you now have. Is there any chance of adjusting the lighting a little bit so I can see the people kind of in the the seats? I like to see faces, just in case, just in case. You know, I'm good at what I do, but I'm not that good. I need to actually see people in case, you know, I want to encourage you. So for those of you uh, who don't know, I have Italian heritage. I'm pretty vocal about it, so most of you probably should know. But uh, my father, Tony D'Orazio, if you want to be proper, Antonio D'Orazio, he migrated in 1951 from Abruzzo, Italy, to Perth, Western Australia. Pioneer without a word of English. I'm very proud of my migrant heritage. But growing up, I was always told that although... We were uh, Italian migrants that, uh, that originally, we had migrated from Spain to Italy. That we were immigrants from the great nation of Spain. And our nicknames in our hometown back in Italy was Espanol. Now that is a bit of a, a dialect version of saying the Spaniards. The Spaniards, no one really bought into this. But we're Spanish. That's really cool. And as it so happened, I was a great fan of Antonio Banderas growing up. <laughs> and uh, a few Spanish sports people. In fact, I have evidence, I have been known to, to support Spain against both Italy and Australia. Okay, we got the evidence. You guys got the, here we go. Here's the proof. Oh, I'm all in to this Spain idea, right? And then when I first went to Spain, my first ever visit, now some of you here, if you're of Italian heritage, you're going to hate me for saying this, I actually liked Spain more. (laughs) I did. 
Look, I'll tell you why. I love Italians. I am one, but they drive me a bit nuts. It's an intense place. Anyone been to Italy? If they love you, they love you. But if they don't love you, yeah, you're in trouble. Just a bit intense. I get a bit stressed. Just like to cross over the borders of Austria. A bit calmer. You know, then I can go back into the fray. My husband says it brings out the worst in me. A bit like New York. He says to me, you could never live in this place. Just brings out the dark side. That's all I'm going to say. You know, it just brings out the dark side. But Spain, they're just a bit more chill. They're not as warm and friendly and passionate as the Italians. But they you know, they, 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 they don't, they're just a bit more chill. That's all I'm going to say. A bit more chilled. And so I love, you know, I bought into this, this, uh, the, the, this, this narrative that we were of Spanish heritage. Well, last year, just for a bit of fun, I did my DNA on Ancestry.com. Who's familiar with the DNA tests, right? Yeah, you get the box, you spit into the tube, you send it off, six weeks later, you find out all about your ancestry. Well, the, as the, those results came in, no surprise, I'm 49% Italian. You know, it's like 33% Southern Italy and like 15% from the North, chunk from Sardinia. Yeah, no surprise at all. Then I'm 20% Scottish. <laughs> I turned to my mother. What the heck is this? Where's the Scottish coming? She goes, no, we've got Irish heritage. I said, Mum, I think I'm 4% Irish, 4%. Where's the Scottish? She couldn't tell me. Go down the list. I've got everything in me. I've got English in me. I've got Welsh in me. I've got Danish, Norwegian and Swedish in me. Do you think I have 1% of Spanish? <laughs> Nothing. Niente, nulla, nix, nada. Nothing. I go to my mother. I said, Mum, were you ever told by Dad that we had Spanish heritage? She said, yeah, 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 Espanol. I said, exactly, Espanol. I said, but there's no Espanol in me. <laughs> now, my dad passed many years ago, so I wasn't able to kind of like grab him by the collar, put him up against the wall. I said, what was this about Espanol? <laughs> and so I went to one of my cousins. I said, Gaz, have you ever been told that we have Spanish heritage? He started to laugh. He said, you mean Espanol? I said, exactly, that's what I mean, Espanol. I said, what? I said, what, what have you been told? He said, I'll tell you about Espanol. He said, our great, great, great grandfather went to Spain for a holiday. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what went on in Spain, but by the time he came back, he was known as Espanol, and all his family became known as Espanol. I said, you telling me that, that we're called Espanol because of some ancestor who went on a holiday? He said, exactly. <laughs> now, I had believed for decades for decades that I had Spanish heritage and I was told by someone who should know on good authority. But now that the truth has been revealed, I have a choice. 
Do I continue to believe what I was told in the past? Or do I shift my paradigm accordingly to come into alignment with present truth? I have had to make a shift in my thinking. Let go of all that I believed about myself and my Spanish roots and establish myself in the present truth. I believe we are in this era being presented with opportunities to upgrade our believing, to come into alignment with present truth. We are living in an era, and I prophesy to you, Horizon Church, that as the deluge of the spirit of revelation is being outpoured upon you, that you would have courage and you would have the ability to let go of what God has said in order to take a hold of what He is saying. And so the Bible does not change. We know that, right? The Bible doesn't change, but our understanding of it does. See, God gives His people revelation progressively. Progressively. There are moments, defining moments in history where revelation, a a word is revealed, light is shone on on something in the Word of God. And our understanding, we are presented with an opportunity. Can I just underline that, highlight, exclamation, exclamation, that we are provided with opportunity. It's not automatic. The adjustment of thinking and believing isn't automatic. But we're presented with opportunities where God will reveal, in some instances, truth that has been lost where it is restored. And I believe there are even examples where God withholds a truth for a certain moment in time. It's like it's veiled and then He lifts the veil for His time in history. We're going to look at a case study from the Word in present truth. Are you ready? We're going to look at a story of two men. Two men. We're going to start with the first man. This is in Acts chapter 10. First man, a Roman army officer called Cornelius. My uncle Cornelius, Cornelius the Roman. He was a a Gentile, so not a Jewish man, not a man of Jewish heritage, very important to the story, who nevertheless feared God. He feared God, he prayed. And he also would give generously to the poor. And one day when he was in prayer, he actually has a visitation, a visitation from God. He has an encounter with the Lord. And and in a vision, an angel comes to him and directs him to send for the Apostle Peter, for Simon Peter, go go and send for him to come to his place to hear from him. So that introduces the second man in the story, which is Peter. And we are going to pick up from when, from Acts chapter 10, verse 9. So it says, as Cornelius's messengers were nearing the town, so remember, Cornelius has had a vision, send, send, 
for Peter to come. So the messengers are on their way. They arrive where Simon Peter, where Apostle Peter is staying. And Peter went up on the flat roof to pray. It was about noon and he was hungry. But while a meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw the sky open and something like a large sheet was let down by its four corners. In the sheet were all sorts of animals, reptiles and birds. And then a voice said to him, get up, Peter, kill and eat them. No, Lord, Peter declared, I have never eaten anything that our Jewish laws have declared impure and unclean. But the voice spoke again, do not call something unclean if God has made it clean. And the same vision was, if the same vision was repeated three times, then the sheet was suddenly pulled up to heaven. So just picture that, picture that moment. I mean, here we have a man of Jewish heritage who religiously followed the Jewish law, including laws pertaining to the clean and unclean foods. Yes, he is now a follower of Jesus. I mean, he is an early father of the church, baptised in the Holy Spirit, going around doing signs, wonders and miracles, but he's still withheld to the things he had been taught. And, and here he is being confronted and challenged. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? Hang on. All my life I have been told not to eat these things. Yeah, you can't eat this. Can't eat the pork. Can't eat the crayfish. Can't eat the prawns. I mean, all these things you cannot eat. And, and in a divine encounter, in a divine encounter, he's challenged. He, he refutes it the first time. He pushes back, which is a very natural thing to do when, you, when something comes that is counter, counter to what you've known. A second time it comes, a third time. And then in the meantime, along come Cornelius' delegation. They arrive and re- request that Peter returns with them. Acts chapter 10, let's read verses 28 and 29. So Peter told them, you know it is against our laws for a Jewish man to enter a Gentile home like this or to associate with you. But God has shown me that I should no longer think of anyone as impure or unclean. So I came without objection as soon as I was sent for. Now tell me why you have sent for me. I cannot begin to tell you How significant, how defining. I mean, for a start, the Apostle Peter went in one encounter. He went from believing one thing, believing I can't associate with the Gentiles, to now, well, God's told me not to call someone unclean, that he calls clean. And not only did he believe it, he acted upon it. He didn't just change his believing, he changed his behaviour. And he went with them, And as a result, he preached the gospel to Cornelius and his household, ministered to them, saw them baptised in the Holy Spirit. I mean, this is present truth being established in the church. And even Peter goes, my goodness me. He said, "Even, even, even the Spirit is come to the Gentiles. I mean, 
paradigm shift of the highest order. And we still live in that present truth. There is no one who we would deny the Gospel to. There is no one on the face of the earth who would say, oh no, the Gospel's not for you. Oh no, you now, you, 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 you're saved. Oh sorry, you can't be filled with the Holy Spirit. I mean, this is given. For us, this is acceptable. I mean, we wouldn't, we wouldn't question that. But there was a time when it was revolutionary. Absolutely revolutionary. I tell you what, I want to be like Peter. I, I, I want to be like Peter. I pray we would all have the spirit of Peter, that when the spirit of revelation comes, when the Lord, when we encounter the Lord and He opens our eyes to see something different, right? when He challenges our believing, when He challenges even our understanding of the Word of God, the Word of God does not change but our understanding of it is progressive. I mean, you can look back, right back in your church history. We, let's just go back to the 1500s when the, the Catholic priest, Martin Luther, had a revelations from Ro- Roman one, Romans uh, chapter 1, verse 17, the just shall live by faith. The just shall live. Now, for us, of course, the just shall live by faith. Uh, there is no evangelical Protestant church, to my knowledge, who would not agree that the just shall live by faith. But he was a Catholic and back in those days, there was all sorts of ways that you would be made righteous by works, by penance, pay off the priest, all all sorts of, of, of ways. And Martin Luther goes, hang on, and he's a Catholic priest. He goes, hang on, he got a revelation. That is by grace we are saved, by faith, not of ourselves, lest anyone should boast. I mean, yeah, for us, that's present truth. But there was a moment in history and he paid a price for it. He was excommunicated. He remembers, he hammered, he got the hammer and he nailed the 95 theses on the door of the Catholic Church. Challenge it, mate. I want to be like Martin Luther. I, I pray that we would have the courage of Martin Luther, that as God comes and he, he brings a redefinition for this new era in order for us to be all God's called us to be, the church of the living God on the face of the earth. I'm telling you, we, 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 we need to think, there are some things, I'm telling you, there is some challenge coming to our believing and our understanding of the Word and it's going to cause a momentum and a mobilisation and the saints of God being released into the fields because the harvest is ripe. In Jesus' name, Hushanda Mahanda. All through church history, there'd be moments like this in the 1600s. Remember the Baptists, the Anabaptists. You just had videos there of your, your baptismal service that's coming up in November. Do you notice how, how people are baptised here at Horizon Church? Right? Full immersion. Right? They were... They'd, they're dunked. Back in the day, it was just dabbed. Now, I got dabbed when I was a baby. But there came a time, and I, got, I, I, I stepped into present truth that we're, we're, we believe and are baptised. But there were back in the 1600s when the Baptists and Anabaptists, they got revelation of those scriptures, believe and be baptised. That was radical. Mate, they were persecuted for it. Blood has been shed in the name of present truth. And, and, it, and it continues on and on. 
I mean, even in my, in my time, like, and many of you have heard the story that the church that I uh, was born again into, uh, discipled in, was a traditional Pentecostal church that didn't ordain women in ministry. And here I was, a young woman in that church with a vision. I mean, just, uh, I mean, I wanted to do the stuff I saw all the men doing. To me, to me, they were doing the good stuff, the preaching, the moving in the spirit. And, and the women weren't allowed to do that. And I, and, and I just had this sense of the call of God in my life. And I, and I assumed I was going to be a pastor's wife because that was the only model I saw. And I thought, if no one else let me preach, maybe my husband would. I don't know. There was a kind of... But in that particular... This is in my lifetime. I mean, we're talking in the 1990s. It's not that long ago. When that denomination, that denomination, actually, their executive, they had a working party. They had teachers and theologians on the job considering this question, should women keep quiet in the church? Did... did did women, were, were women appointed and anointed by God to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers? Because until that point, they didn't believe they could. But to their credit, they studied it, looked into it, prayed, sought God, and they, they changed their stand as a movement and entered into present truth. interesting thing was, I by this stage had already relocated to Queensland. I was a part of another movement that didn't have those same theological constraints. And the first time I actually preached in my home church was actually at the state pastors conference. (laughs) Things can change. And things, I believe that we are on this trajectory of change as the body of Christ. And it's exciting it's going to bring freedom and it's going to bring a release to every part of the body. Sometimes the present truth God wants us to step into is regarding ourselves. It's on a very personal level. When we have seen ourselves a certain way, believed certain things about ourselves, and then revelation comes and opens our, opens our eyes to a whole new possibility. And so I thought the call of God for me will be alongside my husband, uh, pastoring a church, and I will be what still in some places known as the pastor's wife, which I personally do not like that term because not defined by who you're married to, right? In case you, in case you wondered, like... I'm not the architect's wife. I'm Vicky Simpson. You know? <laughs> and so, and, and, um, and I was, uh, what point shall I pick up the story? So here I was. I'm in Brisbane. I did a five-month prophetic training school for my own personal development. I, my background before I was in the ministry was in human resource management. I used to work in a state government department And uh, here I am in Brisbane. I just completed this training school, all ready to go back to Perth, to my home, everything I knew, my home church, my family. 
And the Lord called me to stay in Brisbane. And I had no idea why. I didn't know why I was having to stay. But the pastor who had headed up that prophetic school called me into his office one day and he said, uh, Vicky, I see the call of the prophet on your life and I want, I really want to help train and release that calling. I want to invite you to come, <clears throat> excuse me, on the staff of the church and basically become my apprentice. Sounds like a good offer, right? <clears throat> but I'm thinking, no, hang on, I don't need this. Because I'm from a church and from a movement that doesn't recognise the women in fivefold ministry. And it was frustrating enough as it was being in that church and, and having all these limits and restrictions. And, and I'm thinking, if you tell me I'm a prophet, and now I go back home and... Like, this, this is just going to make life worse for me. That's what I'm saying. This is just going to make a hard situation even harder. And I said to him, can't I, God, I, said, can't I just be a woman of God, you know, handmaiden of the Lord or something? <laughs> he said, no. He said, no. He says, that's not going to be of any help to you at all because he said, just like the Apostle Paul knew who he was and would declare Paul, an apostle, called to the Gentiles, he said, you need to know who you are. You need to know who you are. He said, go away and pray. You go hear it from God for yourself. You're not going to hear it from me. Oh, gosh, you know, it was really, you know, it was a very stressful situation. And so that's what I did. And, you know, you hear of people having those Bible fall open moments. Bible fall open moments. I had a Bible fall open moment. And it was Jeremiah chapter 1, the call of Jeremiah called to be a prophet to the nations. I mean, it leapt off the page. It shouted at me in my face. It smacked me around the head. I mean, I knew that I knew that I knew that I heard from God. I've had people look me in the eye and tell me that I'm not, but I've, I heard it from God and, and that, that, like it was in my bones. From that point, I, I chose to change what I thought and believed about myself and I stepped into present truth. If I hadn't have... If I hadn't have, you'd be looking, I'd be looking back down the barrel of 30 years of, of prophetic ministry, it wouldn't have happened. It, there are consequences. There are con consequences for rejecting or accepting the opportunity to step into present truth. Can I have the worship team return, please? Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. I'm excited when I... I love coming towards the end of the year. I like to say I'm not one of the last guest speakers for 2023. I'm your first for 2024. <laughs> Consider this your word for 2024. You know, Aziza, as, as I saw you, I believe you're going to have a moment like that where you're going to be redefined in your own thinking. Something, of a veil is going to be lifted off. You know in part. We prophesy in part, we know in part. There's a whole part you don't know yet. And when the revelation comes, the revealing, right? The revealing is going to take courage. It is going to take a step up. But you can do it 
And it's going to mean multiplied fruitfulness flowing out of your life in Jesus' Name. I just see some relocations taking place in the church. I'm just seeing God repositioning. It's a bit like, you know that game where the cup, I don't know, they kind of go like this. You know, the, the magicians do this. You know, and they're, what's nothing under there. Well, I kind of see something like that happening. And there's a choo, 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 choo. And it's like that. Oh, what are they doing there? What's under there? Oh, them. I didn't expect to see them doing that. To maximise. To maximise God's purpose. Karen, I see the same thing happening for you. There's more to you than meets the eye. And you have run in your lane and you have run it well. You have set your eye on the mark. You have absolutely excelled in your stream. My goodness, what a blessing you are. But I hear the Lord saying there's more. Yep, there's more. I see a gift of the teacher on you. And I thank you, Father God, for an unlocking of the more. And Father God, I see a door that kind of, op- I see a door that, that kind of partially opens and you, and, and you push it shut again. And it partially opens and you push it shut. But, but I'm, I'm seeing the Lord saying, Karen, when I'm on the other side, pushing it open, I want you to grab the handle and open it up wide. Because what's on the other side isn't scary is going to be that missing part. And many, many, many will be discipled through you. And you have been a discipler of those in worship. But hear the Lord saying there's a, there's, there's a pastoral discipling, a teaching to develop. I see a master teacher, a master teacher. And don't think about what you have and don't have or what you've done or haven't done because it's the anointing. And I thank You, Father God, for unlocking, unlocking, Lord God, new streams, new streams. You're going to be triple threat, a triple threat. Worship, teaching, pastoring. And I know you're the worship pastor. That's not a new thing, but it's, it's something, it is something fresh. In Jesus' Name, Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. You know, I don't know you all here this morning. It'd be very remiss of me if I didn't give you an opportunity to receive Jesus, to get to know Jesus, not just know about Him, more than believing in God, but to actually open up your heart, receive Jesus as your Lord and Saviour, to admit your need for Him. And at that moment, at that moment, something powerful happens. We receive receive the forgiveness for our sins. There's someone here today, you're living with terrible guilt, terrible guilt. You know, it is possible through the power of God to live without that, to live without that. God will take your guilt, give you peace, give you acceptance. 
And He'll give you a vision for your future. And so maybe you're here today and you have never received Jesus as your Lord and Saviour. You've never prayed a prayer where you've opened up, given your life to Him. Or maybe you have, you have in a time past, but you're not, you're not living like it anymore. You, you, might, you, might have, you might have totally walked away and, and you're just back again. You're seeking afresh. Or maybe you've just got kind of God at arm's length. You, something's gone down. You don't trust Him anymore. I just keep seeing somebody and it's like, you know, Jesus is in the back seat of the car now. He's not in the driver's seat. Happy for Him to come with the ride, but don't want you to take the wheel. It is literally time to give Jesus the wheel. <laughs> it's time to let go. Put your life back in His hands. So I'd love you all to close your eyes right now. And I always say, I just wanna give you a moment to consider, really consider your spiritual condition. Are you at peace with God? Is, are you, is all well in your relationship with Him? Do you, do you know the Lord Jesus? Or is God just someone from a distance? If that's you today, you wanna receive Jesus for the first time or for another time? You wanna come back or get right? I was gonna give you an opportunity right now to indicate Indicate just by raising your hand. When you do, I'll acknowledge your hand, then ask you to put it down and I will lead us all in a prayer. So we would know that we've all received Jesus today. We're at peace with God. If we were to die, our sins are forgiven. We have eternal life. So if that's you, I'd just love you to shoot your hand up. Say, yeah, that's me, Vicky. And I'll see your hand, that's you. Just quickly shoot your hand up. Is anyone like that today? God bless you. Someone down the back. God bless you. Is there anybody else today? Just need to come back. You need to, you want to receive Him. It's time. It's time to cross over that line. It's time to surrender. Anybody else before we pray? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Just, just going to linger a little longer. Just feel like there's somebody and you're kind of like, you're, you're in that, what they call the valley of indecision. You're going to and fro, to and fro, and you're kind of scared because you're thinking, if I do this, what's it going to mean? What, do I, what am I going to have to change? What can't I do anymore? You know what, the, the first and foremost point of the crucifixion and the sacrifice of Jesus is that we would have relationship with the Heavenly Father again. Relationship with the Heavenly Father. It's good for us Christians to even be reminded of that. Thank You, Lord. So just looking over quickly one more time and we're gonna pray. Thank You, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Okay, church, you, for the ones who raise their hand, I would love you to pray this prayer out loud, but we're gonna do that with you so you don't feel alone. You ready, church? Okay, let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank You for Jesus. I thank You that He died for me to give me life. And right now, 
I receive You, Jesus, as my Lord and Saviour. I thank You that You love me and You have great plans for my life. In Jesus' Name, Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message. For more info about Horizon Church, please visit our website at hz.church. Have a fantastic day and we hope to see you again soon.